Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. One of the questions that I get regularly asked here at the Huntsman World Senior Games, especially this time of year, is do you have any new sports? And, you know, the reality is, is that with 35 different sports to choose from, we really have quite a selection. But uh, we're also always looking for ways to grow and innovate and to meet the needs of those who are committed to active aging. And so in that spirit, I'm excited to let you know that we are indeed going to add two new sports this year. Last week, I introduced disc golf as one of the new additions, and this week, I'd like to tell you about the other sport, keeping in mind that athlete registration for these new sports, as well as for our more than 30 other sports, will open at the stroke of midnight on March 1st of 2024, so you want to be aware of that, and the second new sport that we're adding this year is climbing. So according to our good friends at Wikipedia, Paintings dating from 200 B.C. show Chinese men rock climbing. In early America, the cliff-dwelling Anasazi of the 12th century are thought to have been excellent climbers. Early European climbers used rock climbing techniques to reach the summits in their mountaineering exploits. And in the 1880s, European rock climbing became an independent pursuit outside of mountain climbing. So there really is a pretty deep history of rock climbing that goes back quite a ways. Climbing at the Huntsman World Senior Games will take place at one of the West's premier indoor climbing facilities, Contact Climbing. The event will be a two-day event with lead climbing and top rope climbing taking place on Wednesday, October 16th. And then speed climbing is going to take place on Thursday, October 17th. Practice will be available at Contact Climbing on Monday and Tuesday, October 14th and 15th. And like most of our sports, we'll offer divisions for both men and and women in five-year age groups. And as I said before, registration for climbing and all of our other sports will open on March 1st at the stroke of midnight. And all the information that you need to register can be found at seniorgames.net. And I'm going to tell you, we're really pretty excited about this. But something else that I'm excited about is today's guests. One of our amazing athletes at the age of 60, Steve Alt faced a Parkinson's diagnosis and the option of levodopa for symptom management. Rejecting only temporary relief, he spiraled into a little bit of depression until a chance meeting with Baram in August of 2017 offered hope for a healthy life. Encouraged by his family, Steve underwent a pretty radical transformation. He altered his diet, he practiced extended fasting, and he engaged in rigorous mountain biking. And within a year, he completed the challenging Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race, conquering a 100-mile course with 12,000 feet of climb at over 10,000 feet of elevation in under 12 hours, earning the coveted buckle. Now, over 70 years old, Steve has triumphed in multiple Leadville races, accumulating biking miles and effectively reversing his Parkinson's symptoms in a very amazing journey of resilience and transformation. Steve, welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Kyle. I'm glad to be here. Hey, we're excited to visit with you and hear about your journey. Now, before we get into it, and we're definitely going to get into it, it's worth noting that this journey is yours. It's your own personal journey. You've done extensive research. You found a path that's worked for you. Some might find it a little controversial. It's certainly outside of the norm. And we should note that we strongly recommend that people check in with their healthcare providers as they undergo any lifestyle change. But that being said, Steve, this is your journey, and it's been an amazing journey, and uh, we're going to dig into it. So to start us off, let's just get some definitions. Tell us what is Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's is a neurodegenerative disease. Most people think of Parkinson's as the tremors. Tremors are the tip of the iceberg. The disease happens in the brain, in the basal ganglia, in the substantia nigra specifically, and that is where the destruction happens. And, And over a period of time, even before you're diagnosed, usually, in fact, almost always, um, uh, a person's world changes, and they end up not their their world changes. And so, like you said, when I think of Parkinson's, I do think of the tremors. Like that's what I that's what I think of. I think of the the, the hands shaking and maybe a loss of balance. But you're saying that the effects are are certainly beyond just the tremors. Oh yes, yeah. That like the, like I say, the tremors are the tip of the iceberg. Okay. And, um, it's it's really hard to describe because you don't know what's happening to you. you but just you feel something world, isn't your, right. Your world's changing. Yeah. Your world changes. And people around you see it. And that's the challenge in, in most of the uh, scenarios is that um, the, the person living with that person uh, notices changes. And I remember my wife saying, you're not the man I married. Wow. That's, that's a tough one. That's not an easy one to hear, right? And, and especially after you're diagnosed, you... You really then you, you you begin to lose confidence in who you really are as yeah. a person, and that's the real challenging part of Parkinson's. So, so talk just a minute about that. You you felt something was off. You didn't know what it was. You're trying to figure it out. Trying to figure out if it's uh, just a phase, if it's just aging, and everybody feels this way. But you go to the doctor, and they give you a diagnosis—a tough one, Parkinson's. What what, yeah. what goes through your mind? Like, what? How does that affect you and your family? You know, I think the first thing that I noticed is is uh, things in my business, business decisions. I'd make a decision, and then a few days later, I'd, I, I would look at that decision and think, wow. Why did I do I, that? Yeah, why? And so, you know, you begin to lose a little confidence, and I knew something was happening before. Uh, looking back, it possibly happened around 50. Um, that's, that's a challenging thing to be at, at kind of the prime of your life and your businesses are going good. And I'm an entrepreneur. So, so, you know, I'm depending on my, uh, my, uh, frontal cortex making executive decisions. Yeah. And that was the first thing the doctor said is, is, uh, the very first person that sensed something wrong said that you probably shouldn't be making any executive decisions. Wow. So here I am in an executive position. Yeah, running your own businesses, businesses that you've, that you've built yourself through you know, years of hard work, and all of a sudden the doctor's saying, maybe this isn't for you. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's not easy. It's tough. it's tough. That's not easy. So you get the diagnosis. Um, you're offered a very traditional route, which is medication that will ideally help with symptoms. But you decided to go a different route. Talk a little bit about that decision. That that feels like that might have been kind of a, a pivotal moment and maybe a little bit of a scary moment. You know, I had personal reasons for not going into the medication route, and <clears throat> nothing wrong with that. I think the levodopa and some of the other medications are probably, you know, give you uh, synthetic 
uh, dopamine in your brain. Uh, I just, I, I wasn't ready for that. I, I've always been a believer in, you know, is there a different route? I was, you know, I was raised up that way thinking, what is the best route for me in, in this journey? And quite frankly, you know, when I got that diagnosis, it was kind of the final blow because I knew. You knew something was right. Yes. And so it was really tough going forward from then. And, of course, it was several years before I actually, you know, got onto this journey that I'm on. So I look back, and the big, the big problem is I should have jumped in earlier, but I didn't. I just didn't. Well, those are big decisions, and you can always look back and say, oh, I wish I could have, should have, would have, right? But you, you, you know, you can't go backwards. You can only go forward. So I just want to set the timeline a little bit. You said that you were about 50 years old, and you started to feel that something wasn't right. You didn't know exactly what was going on. How old were you when you got the official diagnosis? I was 60. Okay, so 10 years of just feeling something's not quite right. <laughs> and then you get the diagnosis. And again, you're offered the traditional route. You said, hey, maybe that's not for me. How long before you kind of got to the point where you're like, I kind of know which direction I'm going to go now? It was about three years. Uh, Parkinson's uh, affects your motivation, your drive. You have depression. Those are three big symptoms. Uh, Anxiety. Uh, I remember the first doctor that told me I had anxiety was even before the diagnosis. And I said, no, I don't have any anxiety. And it was a, a doctor uh, in Southern California that I'd, I'd gone to, and she said, oh, yeah, you've got anxiety. And um, so I, I went home from that, and I called my dad, and I said, my dad and I were close, and he, I said, have I ever had anxiety? And he says, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But I did, obviously. So all the um, indicators were there, but you just didn't realize it. My world had moved where I didn't know. Wow. So here you are kind of reeling i would imagine reeling from some of these diagnoses the the anxiety all of a sudden you know a few years later you find out you've got parkinson's um like you said there were some maybe personal reasons just upbringing and the way that you approach life you said hey i'm going to go an alternate route let's talk about some of the alternates these are the alternatives that you decided to do i talked a little bit about mountain biking let's let's just start there um off the air, we were talking about how you competed in, in sports when you were younger, wrestling specifically, which is something I'm involved in and very interested in. Uh, but you've t- taken up mountain biking. Oh, yeah. In a so, big way. So talk a little bit about how you got into mountain biking and how you decided this is the way I'm going to try to move forward and, and live my best life. Uh, you know, when I was young in high school, I did motocross racing and then really didn't get on the bike much except occasionally with the boys as they grew. Yeah. We did little activities and so forth. But um my i had a uh um, i was race crew for my son and son-in-law at the leadville race in 2017 and and uh, uh, just short story i was uh standing on the street corner with my son and son-in-law and three other guys i didn't know a guy walks across the street walked up to one he knew in that group that i didn't know said you guys want to meet barom and i said I turned to my son and said who's barom who's barom right and he said, well, he's, uh, he started Lifetime Fitness, and you know, he's done re- really well in business, and, and he's a great guy. And I said, well, I'm in. Yeah, why wouldn't you want to meet him, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they took us across the street, down a little alley, went up some stairs into a really nice um, condo, walked in, sat us down at the kitchen table. A guy was on the phone. He got off the phone, started talking to us about the information age we're in, and he's obviously in business big time. Sure. And he, 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 
within a couple of minutes, he said, we are on the cusp of being able to live to 120 healthy. I'd never heard that phrase, never thought of it, never. But I thought if there's anything that could help me with what I'm doing, I want to find out. I I don't want to interrupt you, but I I want to emphasize this point because I think it's really important. 120 healthy. That's got to be the goal, right? None of us want to live to 120 if it's disease-ridden, bent over, just miserable. We want to live to be 120 for sure, but we want to be there healthy, right? Correct. So you're you're just crewing this race. Um, and I talked about this race. This is a grueling race. This is one of the premier grueling races really in the world. Um, but you weren't really biking at this point. Oh, no. Okay. My, you know, my sons prior to that had seen me on the couch and not doing well, shuffling, having a hard time going up the stairs. Yeah. Couldn't get out of the back of my pickup without sitting on the tailgate i was really in a bad way yeah i'd gone downhill a long ways and they kept saying you could do this race pops and i said you know what finally i i'd had enough of it and i said and i said it in a probably too brisk a way <laughs> but i said listen it's not in here and i tapped on my heart yeah i t- pointed my brain i said it's not in there drop it and and that was the sometime before this miracle that I had on Harrison Street in Leadville. Yeah. So you really had written it off. Oh, for yeah, yeah. My I, heart, my brain, it's just not there for me. I love you kids. You guys do it. I'm gonna support you, but it's not for me. Yep. So you go in, you have this great conversation. What was it that flipped the switch? Just that thought that I knew what I had and and, and so that's several years after I'd had the diagnosis. Yeah. Now, I, I missed a point there that I told no one about that. I swore my doctor, who's been a family friend forever, I said, do not tell anybody. I don't want my wife to know. I don't want anybody. Oh, my so wife even your wife Nobody didn't know. knew. Wow. I, I didn't want to be treated different. Sure. I knew that I would be. And it was even several years after I was on my path before I finally told them. Wow. There were tremors. And my son, one day, he looked at my tremors, and he said, what's up with the tremors, Dad? And I said, oh, you know, that brain injury I had back in 90s, uh, it's just scar tissue. And I knew it was the Parkinson's, yeah. but he, and he pushed me, and he said, no, no I'm not buying it. Yeah. What is it? And I told him, and he, I think he was in d- disbelief, like yeah. many of the other family members. But, sure. Well, it's your dad, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, Parkinson's is kind of a... It's a path that you just can't imagine yourself going down. It's right. not part of your plan when absolutely. you're younger. Absolutely. No one thinks, oh, I can't wait to grow up and get Parkinson's, right? You just don't <laughs> think in those terms at all. Yeah. So so you kept it a secret. You finally get the, the word out. I'm sure there's some shock. But there also has to be, like, support and love. And I would suspect some amazement that you're still out doing some of these amazing things that you started doing, the mountain biking and things like that, right? Well, and the health journey started before the the cycling because when i started i i i learned on the just on youtube about fasting okay and it it looked like it would do something and but i was very hypoglycemic so i couldn't go four hours without food i i was so addicted to to that uh sugar that i was getting in my system yeah that i couldn't and and i finally watched that podcast a couple of times that very first one i watched and and then I went to my wife and I said, and she, remember, she doesn't know I have Parkinson's still. They didn't know for several years into my journey. They just knew I was reversing my health. Yeah. Um, 
but I told her, I said, I'm, I'm going to uh, go four days without food. And she laughed so hard. You can't imagine. She, she laughed and she said, you can't go four hours. How are you going to go four days? I said, I don't know, but, but I think it could help me. And uh, so I sent her the podcast. She watched a little of it, and she came back. She says, I, I don't get it. It's just, it's just all over my head. Yeah, and technical jargon and, and stuff like that. So I watched like that. it with her, and about halfway through the watching it with her, she says, I want to do it with you. Wow. That's a commitment. That was a changing and, moment. And I'm going to tell you it's a commitment because, um, well, you and I, we've been friends for a long time, Steve. Uh, you told me, it's been years ago now, I don't know how many years ago, uh, that you were that you were looking into fasting and that you had done it before. And I'll admit, I kind of had your wife's reaction too. You told me you were going multiple days without food. And I kind of thought, this guy's a little crazy, right? He's a little bit crazy. Yeah. Over those years, I have also done a little bit of research myself. And I will say that I did my very first five-day water-only fast just this last year. I think I did it in November. Um, it was not easy. It's not easy. It was not easy, but I did it and it was doable. And uh, there are some real significant, um, or at least some significant research on some of the benefits that might come from it. Um, Tell us a little bit about it. So we've talked about mountain biking a little bit. Let's talk about the fasting. What are some of the benefits that come from long-term fasting? Well, it's deeper than we can even talk about today. It's really a deep subject, but, but short side is your body has genes, seven genes that are activated by starvation. Now imagine that we have those, and when was the last time you think you were going to starve to death? Yeah, most of us don't have to worry about that. Now, there are people in the world that do worry about food food insecurity and even people that worry about starvation, but most of us don't have to worry about that, right? I mean, we're worrying about maybe having dinner a couple of hours late. That's the sacrifice, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, we think nutrition, we think we've got to keep everything fed, uh, but as it turns out, generationally back uh people went through this it's it's only been in the last hundred years that we've had this overabundance of food in refrigerators and on every corner yeah where we don't have to go hungry at all i hated those hungry hunger feelings and yet those hunger feelings are the ones that are starting to turn on this the sirtuin genes in our system and then those sirtuin genes and this still baffles the scientists of as how the genes are able to look at the body and see what's in the body and what needs what can go for energy so there's amazing amount of energy in our body when we're starving and so it starts identifying the 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 worst and there's a doctor in paris that talks about it probably the easiest he puts if you put all your sales on a spreadsheet put all your perfect ones on one side and the junk on the other and just go to the middle he says it never starts in the middle your the autophagy which is the body's mechanism for getting rid of the bad stuff in your body is turned on it's only turned on through really the the only true thing you can turn it on with is going fasting yeah uh, or going through hunger phases that they used to go through just on a daily basis. Yeah. So when those autophagy, that autophagy starts happening, it's able to identify the worst, precancerous, cancerous. Uh, it even the list as long as your arm of things that it actually can eliminate in your body for energy. So when you start thinking about that, that it's a it's the spring cleaning of your house that we've been living in all these years and never gone through that. So <laughs> we've you, all been a little bit of hoarders, right? We're, keep, oh, we're holding on to all these bad cells that we don't necessarily need, right? It boils down to the mitochondria, which is the powerhouse of the cell. 
it's like a battery. It's got a positive negative ion in there, and there's a little very delicate membrane in between the positive and negative. When we have insults on the mitochondria, that little membrane is is damaged, or they call them insults on the mitochondria. So that, that when that little membrane has an insult, it deteriorates, and when you take the insulation out of the mitochondria between the positive and negative, it's similar to taking the insulation out of a battery. Do that, the battery's junk. Yeah. That mitochondria becomes junk. So we damage our mitochondria through many, many insults. It can be... So to find an insult, what, what would an insult be? The worst is sugar. Sugar. There's others... There's a, a dry cleaning element that's been used and still used in the United States. It's it's been outlawed in every country in in the world almost, it, and two states in America. But it's still allowed to be used in dry cleaning. I think it's trichloroethylene. I think is what it is, and it's very damaging. It's a chemical damage, but still, sugar is the main. Yeah, and We're sug- all there. sugar is. Prolific. Hate to say that because I love it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know the the problem with sugar, and we're not going to have time to get into all of it. But the problem with sugar is that we think of donuts and cake and and frosting and and Snickers bars or whatever. That's what we think of when we and think drinks. of sugar. And you know, yeah, a, a Coke or a, a, a Swig if you're from Utah, you know, whatever it is. Those are the things that we think of, and those are certainly prevalent and easily accessible anywhere that you want to go. But sugar is also in so many things that we don't think of. You know, condiments. Um, preservatives uh you know you told me the other day a story of of having some pork that you thought was just good clean pork and all of a sudden you looked at the ingredients and lo and behold there's sugar in it right they put sugar rub on it and 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 i have a little signal in my i have a spot in my thumb maybe it's my gauge my dashboard gauge but when i get very much sugar now because i'm on a really clean diet because i really know what it does to me and it's it's very motivating to know the science behind it and the fact that it is destroying mitochondria they say if you have one thing left in your body keep your mitochondria because when it's gone you're dead well it makes sense right if if you're made up of cells and the mitochondria is the thing that powers the cells you've got to protect that most basic element right there right they used to think mitochondria was only in the cells now they found out it can leave a cell and travel to another part of the body and assist in in energy production and, and keeping cells going so it's it's really a remarkable part of our body that I didn't understand. I had even even several years into my study didn't really dial in on the mitochondria, but I'm really dialed in now. I do I do lipid replacement. Lipid replacement is is a little substance that the the membrane is made of, and if 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 we don't have that in our system, and we with our food supply being not as good as it used to be, um, because it's been altered to look good travel good keep right. good on the shelf and so forth but it, it lacks the the raw materials the to rebuild that so yeah. re, even if your body tries to replace that you're replacing junk with junk that makes it difficult doesn't it yeah. so we don't have much time left um and like I said at the beginning, there's just not time to dig all the way into it. But just as a review, some of the big successes, the big changes, the big aha moments in your life. Number one, exercise. For you, that was mountain biking. Huge. But exercise is huge. Number two is the, the concept of turning on these genes through fasting. 
And again, you know, there's there's some research on that that people can look into. Uh, check with your doctor if you have any questions about that. But fasting can be something that can be a very valuable tool. And then um, what was the third thing that you talked well, about? Well, sleep is sleep. really in there. If we don't sleep well, we can't repair well. Yeah. We have to work on sleep. And I work on that every single day. I don't take chemicals to, to help me sleep. So I look at all the research on uh, turning on melatonin early in the morning, like I look at the sun in the morning for 15, 20 minutes. you got to get that light in your eyes to start the melatonin production for that night. Ah. And that's something I discovered. And we have to have a, a sufficient amount of magnesium in our system to do the repair that it's doing. So I look at all those things. And, you know, I stay dialed in. And when I'm not always, but when I'm dialed in, I see I you see, see a growth. You see a difference. I, I see yeah. uh, you know, reversal of the, all the effects. And if I stop doing any of the things, I, I do about eight things total. But um, when I stop or slow down or get distracted traveling, I start to lose feel it. the reversal. Wow. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, sharing your experience with it. Once again, just a review basic things exercise diet sleep those are the things that we talk about but you got to make sure that you're doing them right steve thank you so much congratulations on your success and best of luck with everything that you have going on hopefully we'll see you again at the games this year in october maybe one of our biking events i'll be here awesome we'll be looking for you thanks so much thank you just a quick reminder here i mentioned at the beginning of the show but it is worth a reminder that individual athlete registration opens on march 1st at the stroke of midnight so uh some of our sports tend to fill up very quickly don't forget march 1st all that information at seniorgames.net our guest next week is karen straw who is a speech and language pathologist with more than 15 years of experience in treating people with dementia she will be helping us understand what is happening in the brain as someone living with dementia and how a loved one can best be a support to that person so don't miss that remember to tune in live next and every thursday at 5 30 p.m mountain time on am 1450 or fm 93.1 for the huntsman world senior games active life We take this live show and turn it into a podcast, and you can subscribe anywhere that podcasts are found. You can find this and previous shows also on our website. Once again, that is SeniorGames.net, so check that out. Today's inspirational thought comes from Bruce Daggy, and it fits right into the mission of the Huntsman World Senior Games, and it is this. Let's build wellness rather than treat disease. That seems like something worth working toward. Until next Thursday, stay active. Stay active.